Welcome to Comeback. I am your host, Connor, and this is episode 228. My guest today is Paul Villanova, who is initially from Australia, currently living in Hanoi, Vietnam, up north. He is involved in basketball, comedy, and a bit more. So that's going to be the basis of today's discussion. Paul, welcome to the show. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having the show, Connor. Yeah, no problem at all, man. Whereabouts are you based in Australia? Where are you from there? So uh, I'm from Perth in Australia, which is basically the, the only city on the west coast of Australia. Yeah, sweet. So, yeah. What's it like? If, if most, pe- most people have heard of uh, like Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, yeah. and that's like other side of the country. It's like a seven-hour flight. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. I was actually going to ask about that because I have desires to move to Melbourne when it is possible so I'm just wondering a bit about Australia what's it like in Perth what's that whole vibe about okay so it's it's a bit weird so Perth is like um it's like in the biggest so it's in the biggest like landmass state like the state's huge um like I think the UK would fit into my state just my state like seven times like it's it's massive what um, but like, there's not a huge amount of people and most of the people are basically in the Southwest corner of the state. Um, but, but basically the, the big thing is that there's huge amounts of mining that goes on in, in my state. So, um, yeah, as like a, as a like reaction of that, like the, the property prices and the cost of living is quite high, uh, as like a flow on effect from that. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's some crazy thing where basically out of Australia's like GDP, uh, my state contributes like 40% or something ridiculous. And there's like eight states and territories in Australia. So yeah, wow. <laughs> very, yeah. So it's, I don't know, have people said it's like a big mining town? Um, but I don't know, it hasn't really been my life, but yeah. Uh, coastal city, uh, I lived in like surfing suburbs. So yeah, very much about, about the, the ocean and swimming and, and loving sport and having a good time. Yeah, for real. And did you, you obviously grew up there. Did you go traveling once you'd left school, et cetera, or did you stick around in Perth for a while? So uh, actually I grew up in the country. So I grew up about eight hour drives to the southeast of, uh, of Perth in a place called uh, Esperance, sure. which is like a tiny like coastal town. It's got like these famous, these like beautiful beaches and stuff. Um, and yeah, I grew up there till I was like, yeah, set, finished high school. And then uh, move to the city. Like the, the basic, the basic joke is that um, if you don't leave town, you uh, you uh, have kids or uh, or a meth habit in uh, in the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a joke. Not obviously not everyone's like that. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but for real, and when you well like that, did you move to Vietnam soon after? How did Vietnam come about? Oh, so Vietnam is like basically like a, a crazy sort of sea change for me in my life. So I uh, moved to the city. Uh, I did some study, but I didn't really enjoy it. And then I basically got started working in a, in a trade in Australia. So I was working as a as a roofer. So I did like basically I did that, uh, learned how to do that, then had my own business, and I did that for like twelve years. And then uh, there's like th- three things that sort of happened. I um, my, I, uh, I did my ACL, my knee. So I had needed to have a full knee reconstruction. So I couldn't work and I, was, I just, it was just, it was my business. So if I wasn't working, I wasn't earning any money. 
Uh, and then uh, I think two weeks after I had my knee reconstruction, my, my partner of nine years uh, broke up with me. <laughs> and then uh, like a week or so after that, one of my friends got a job coaching basketball over here in Vietnam. And I shot him a message saying, oh, congratulations, like all the best. And he's like, oh, if you're ever interested in moving over, like, let me know. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> yes, yes, this seems like a good sea change. And yeah, and yeah, three months later, I, uh, I sold basically everything that I own and uh, boarded a flight to, to, to Hanoi. Yeah, man. And before we dive more into the Vietnam aspect, as I mentioned to you just before we chatted and to click record, uh, the show is called Comeback. So, you know, Comeback from Adversity, Any Challenges Faced. How did you manage to navigate through that period then when you've done your ACL and you've had the breakup? How challenging was that period for you, having both incidents oh. in such close proximity? Oh. Uh, very challenging, very challenging. Um, yeah, it was really tough to get all through, get through that. Um, yeah, and I just, I, I, if I'd stayed in Australia, like my options were sort of very limited to what I could do. Uh, and like, I would have had to basically move out of where I was living, uh, move into like uh, an area that wasn't as nice. And I, I just, it just felt like really, really tough to do that. Um, and yeah, like coming here, I know dealing with a, a breakup and, and sort of finding yourself, cause I, I was 30, how old was I, 32 or 33 when I came here. So it wasn't like I was like in my mid twenties or something like it had been a big chunk of my life. And, and yeah, and I think it was really good because yeah, like learning new things and experiences, finding that, yeah, like life, life isn't over after, after something like that. Uh, and yeah, just trying to find, find myself as a person and find more balance. I definitely, definitely think I found that moving over here for sure. Yeah. Massively. What is it about here? Perhaps that have helped you find that balance do you have any practices or any hobbies that have really helped you stay on track well yeah i really liked uh because i've sort of been stuck like i did i sort of got the skills for this trade in australia for roofing but i uh i really hated doing it and uh but it was just like all my, none of my skills really transferred to anything else and the idea of like starting over seemed like uh, like the thing, the thing that I wanted to do is I really wanted to coach basketball. Like I volunteered to do that. I did lots of that. Uh, but that wasn't like a, it's not a full-time, it's not a full-time job, right? Like I get paid a little bit, but not enough to, to really uh, commit to doing that full-time. But uh, to come over here and to basically be able to be able to, be able to coach basketball, like the thing that I love and be involved uh, with that was, was awesome. And yeah, like to have a job that, uh, that I love doing uh, it was amazing uh yeah i feel like especially when you're uh, you get into your 30s i felt like yeah i was just stuck uh and i was never going to be able to do anything else and i was just going to be doing this like uh job for the rest of my life which yeah the thought of that now horrifies me <laughs> yeah, for real no i do love this aspect of you know vietnam is so valuable for that where a lot of people in their 20s or 30s can get stuck and you can get into that rut and think oh is this it and you just look at your hometown and think that that's the only option but knowing that there is Vietnam where you can come to and really explore different avenues within yourself is such a valuable tool yeah. and I wish it was 
I wish it was more commonly known about. Everybody seems to find it from a friend, etc. I wish it was advertised more, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think like there's that um there's that thing where you uh you're you're afraid to sometimes try something new where people know you because if it goes really badly, like it's gonna reflect back on you like a lot. Uh whereas like to come to a new country and I don't know, I feel for for the first like bit it was like, oh, oh, like this isn't like I'm not saying that that it was just free and I could do whatever I want, but it was just like, oh okay, there's just like a different type of freedom here in, in like so many ways. And it just felt so like liberating after sort of being, just been doing the same thing for so long. Uh, I found that really awesome. Um, and that's that's sort of how I got, how I got sort of started doing stand-up comedy was was basically through, through that sort of train of thought. Yeah, it's also better because of the changing environment and you meet so many other people from different backgrounds that if you want to, try something new for example stand-up comedy it's Mm. not as daunting and it can be more liberating the fact that you're not stuck in that bubble where perhaps people used to know you as like the roofer or for me like the the guy who watched football etc and you just think yeah you can actually develop your identity without fear of judgment right right exactly and i think it was really cool to uh to overcome what was a bit of like a fear of mine like uh I always sort of shunned away a bit from public speaking. Uh, like for most of my working life, I worked alone. Like I'd be me on a roof by myself. Um, uh, and then like, I can, I can literally, I can trace back the moment where I had like the, the real fear. Uh, I was in like the third or fourth grade, I think. And um, every week, uh, one class in my school had to give a, hosted the school assembly, right? And so you did uh, some yeah. Oh, I remember might sing some songs right and I I uh, had to give like a 30 second speech right and I and I had palm cards and I practiced and I practiced the speech and I'm like I got this threw the palm cards away went up there to, to, to give my speech I start talking and then I completely let forget my space my spot where I was in the speech and then I'm like uh uh uh, uh. and then I looked to my teacher uh who was probably like, the worst teacher I ever had and he like just basically he was like completely like not didn't feel reassuring or anything and then I'm like uh, and then I like I burst into tears and then like I basically I run off stage as the entire school laughs at me (laughs) so yeah uh wasn't wasn't a big fan of public speaking after that uh damn that's rough man I'm sorry about that yeah yeah um and doing I remember like having friends who got into stand up uh back in back in Australia and thinking oh that was really awesome and cool I'm like oh could I do that and I'm like, oh no nah. it just seems very it seemed terrifying mm. um and yeah no, no, I sort of one of, one of the first friends that I made here uh she was uh she she, she did stand up and uh basically outside of like the basketball world that were the first friends that I, I made up made here in Hanoi and then uh, I was like, I've been hanging out with these guys for a, a while, and I was just going to all their shows. I'm like, oh, and I, we, you talk, talk shit, talk, have, have good banter. And I'm like, ah, I could sort of give it a go, and I gave it a go, and it, it wasn't very good, as I'm sure. Uh, I've even interviewed Kelso, Kelso Dowling. She's the uh, yeah, well, I've heard of her. I've heard of her. Actually. I've probably seen yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, absolute legend. Like I, I love, I love, love it a bit. Uh, she was there. 
And as I recall, I was doing, I did a bunch of dick jokes and, uh, and Kelso was there with a bunch of her uh, friends from like the uh, queer community. And so basically I'm doing dick jokes to a room full of uh, mainly lesbians. So yeah, it uh, didn't, didn't go over well. <laughs> yeah, okay. You <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's sort of, you get that feeling from it and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of like a drug and then you, oh, I can't do this, but I want to do it better. And then, yeah, keep going and going and, and more, 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 right? Yeah. Now, um, I've spoken to three or four people who've done stand-up comedy down here in Saigon. Uh, Casey, JK, uh, Jeremy, and Kirk Shouts, those guys. And I always ask, what's it like the first time you ever do it? Is your mind going back to that time when you're in third or fourth grade in Australia? Like, what, what's it like the first time you're going to yeah. do it? It, 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 I won't lie, it was. Yeah. I think I'd ha I, uh, I had a few beers to loosen myself up. And the main thing I remember is uh, getting up there and like not seeing the crowd at all. Uh, this is, I don't know, it was that Seven Fridays, which used to be like this like really fun open mic uh, pre-COVID here. And I remember, yeah, there would have been like yeah, 20, 30 people in there. So I was like, nice little, 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 little crowd. And I remember getting up there and uh, I'm really feeling so fucking hot up there. And I didn't really see the crowd. All I just saw was like a, uh, it's like a black dot in the crowd. That's like my, my life focused on. And I sort of got through it. Yeah. And then I remember, the funniest thing, I walk off, I walk to the back because my man's, oh, that's cool. You got that. That was awesome. And then there was randomly some reporter there. And she's like, do you want to do it? Do you want to do an interview? You used to stand up for the first time. Do you want to do an interview? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. And then she like asked me questions that I have no idea what I said because I, yeah. yeah, it was on this massive high from doing it. Um, but yeah, that's like what I mainly remember. And then I think uh, we got really drunk and jumped in the pool. It was great. <laughs> that's a great way to end it. Yeah, I believe, and I don't know how accurate this statistic is, that public speaking ranks just behind fear of falling and fear of loud noises, which shows how commonplace it is in the Western world. And I can't imagine anything more daunting personally in that regard than stand-up comedy, you know having to for example if it's an information text you know you can rehearse and rehearse but stand-up comedy you have to make people laugh like i can't imagine doing that for the first time to be honest man i commend you for going for it <laughs> yeah i think well in, in my experience i worked on roofs and i operated heavy machinery so i've got the loud and the falling part down already uh, so yeah. i thought <laughs> i'd give stand up a go <laughs> yeah, no. um yeah like i thought it was it's sort of good like the thing you have to realize it was like, I've seen the, the funniest comedian, uh, comedians that I know, like from here and some, some Saigon guys come up here and stuff. And like, you, there's like, the, you have to have this inherent thing that you are going to eat shit. Like at one, one point or another, you're going to eat shit. Like comedy subjective. People aren't going to laugh at everything. Um, what, what I really liked is that um, because you, it's not like, if say I was in Australia, like 90% of the crowd is going to be like Australian, right? So I'm going to be able to relate to them that way. Whereas here, it's such like a broad uh, mixture of like crowd, right? Like there'd be, yes, there'd be some Vietnamese people. Um, but yeah, then it'd be like foreigners from like all over Europe, America, Canada, Australia, South America, <laughs> South Africa. Um, so yeah, you're trying to match, do this like broad appeal thing, uh, which is like, but then I don't know, if you're trying to make, trying to like make everyone laugh and sometimes it becomes less funny, so yeah, I know you're trying to find your own way and your own sort of style. I uh, 
I mainly when I started, I, I used to just try and just tell stories of basically like crazy stuff that had happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause then, then in my mind, if I, if I lost my place, if I, if I forgot the words, I could just tell the story. Right. So yeah, I think a, a lot of the start was me just like telling us a, a story of like, uh, a girl pinky promising, uh, making me pinky promise that I won't rape her. Like, <laughs> like fun, fun stuff like that. <laughs> Is that a true story? Yep. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think how this situation comes about. Do you, can you elaborate or is it a story? Oh, yeah. I've told this story before. It's quite, it's quite funny. Um, so we're at Cat Bar and uh, I met this girl. We're having some drinks with her and her friends. And uh, we wanted to go to this, I wanted to go to this bar on the other side of the island. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, oh, you want to come? And she's like, yeah, yeah let's come. And then she, we get, get on the bike and she's like, oh, can you, can you picky promise you won't rate me? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, I don't, there's, there's only like one response to that question. And then, then the funniest thing is we get on and we're driving along and it's like, there's no light. So it's like sort of pitch black on a road just driving along. And I'm like, I'm quite tall. I'm like, uh, like 1.9 meters. I'm quite tall. And I'm like, all right, how can I make her feel like more safe and, uh, and kind of comfort, comforted, right? So I was like, ah, oh, uh, oh, I know what she wants. She wants a weapon to protect herself from me <laughs> so i'm like oh uh if you want i i have a knife under my seat <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and uh she was like you 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 have a knife but i'm like yeah and she's like all right can we turn around and go back and i'm like that is the correct question to ask right now so so yeah we did that and uh, then we ended up dating for like six weeks. <laughs> oh, right then. Yeah. At least it's like a happy yeah. yeah. Also, the comedy aspect. If you ever bomb, like if you ever have a show that isn't the greatest, how do you deal with it once you come off stage? Um, well, I've seen, I've seen it and I've, maybe I've done this as well. I've seen people come off and go, oh, the crowd was shit or I could write my material better. Or uh, I hate the world and everyone in it. Like I've seen all, all three of those approaches. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing. Like uh, in places like in bigger cities, like the the, the comedy scene in in Saigon's much bigger. So it's just a sheer volume. So you could like you can do like shows. Well, when things are up and running, you can do shows and do open mics like every every night, pretty much, or like five or six nights a week. Um, whereas here, like God, there'd be stuff like every uh like this year i knew every, i know everyone that runs comedy shows and there was like four or five shows a month so it's just like all right next one i'm going to practice all right that doesn't work i'll try something else like sometimes the the same setup uh will work with a joke if you just have a better punchline and yeah comics comics generally try to help each other out as well and, and say things they think are going to work better um yeah, it's, that's been my approach with it here anyway. I've, I've been told by people in bigger cities, it's a lot more cutthroat. But yeah, for real. Have you ever considered mm-hmm. maybe coming down south to Saigon based on the fact that, you know, they're more frequent and more regular? Uh, no. I quite, I quite, I sort of like my niche up here, but I don't know. We'll, I don't know what will happen in the future. Um, or like, a, 
like my, my roommate of like last year, he moved down there and then, uh, yeah, he was loving it because he's doing so much more comedy. And then uh, obviously you're in the, in the terrible directive 16 brutal lockdown stuff right now. And yeah, like he's leaving and going back home, like back to, back to the States. So um, yeah, like it, it was good for a while. And then, and then, and then there was that. So yeah, it's, I don't know, see what happens, I guess. Yeah, and with that can you tell me a bit more about basketball is that what you do when you're not performing stand-up comedy are you a basketball teacher up in hanoi uh oh, i know don't say basketball teacher basketball coach mate <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, i would always have this argument this argument with people um yeah so my first year that was that was all i did so i, I did basketball coaching uh and like a little bit of comedy like I was, I was just starting out and then uh i finished finished i had a one-year contract i finished my contract and then they offered me a, a six-month extension but i wanted a 12-month extension and so we were like arguing going back and forth and my, my contract expired like the second of january and so this like towards the end of january i still haven't signed a new contract and then i, I went home for for tet and then i uh back to australia and then i came back here and then they're like, oh, you should just sign the contract. And I'm like, ah, so I signed the contract. And then within like six days, uh, COVID, uh, COVID hits. This is, this, is, this is 2020. And then my company shuts down and uh, they cancel my contract. <laughs> Damn. So, so yeah, so then I, uh, I, I started like teaching and, and doing that. And so, yeah, I've been like teaching, doing a little bit of coaching where I can. Um, but yeah, like obviously there's just not the sheer volume, uh, because of all the restrictions from, from COVID, even though last year was pretty good. And then, uh, yeah, then this year, obviously it's been, been even less, um, but yeah, things that just start to open up here. So yeah. I'm hoping I can do some coaching, some comedy, got love to go to a, go to a beer hoy. <laughs> yeah. Those miss, those. miss them like crazy. And how have you managed the lockdown then? Obviously you can't coach basketball from your bedroom or can you do you do that via zoom online how do you stay active throughout this lockdown period uh no, i've just been i've been having to do that or in other places that i wanted no 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 none of the people wanted to pay for, for online coaching like that or that i wanted to pay so little that it was not really worth your time so i've just been like doing online tutoring and stuff like that and, and like so teaching english classes um yeah it's been like here basically hanging out with my girlfriend driving each other crazy um looking forward to things opening up again uh, watching the olympics was good when that was on watching, watching the uh, the nba season was good when that was on yeah, yeah. um yeah <laughs> just just getting by just getting by i think that's like what everyone's doing right yeah massively and do you have any main aims for the near future what would you like to achieve going forward uh i know i find it really hard to make plans with like the covid situation with everything like i i had a i had a tour plan i had some saigon comedians coming up because I, I run i put on and i run comedy shows now as well and uh yeah i had some saigon comedies like saigon comedy guys coming up and we're gonna have like a mini tour so yeah like i'd love to put some comedy shows on again i even i was even going to do a, a tv uh spot like on vtv they were going to interview me as part of like this running series and like interview, interviewing me about uh comedy and uh basketball but uh 
obviously could ruin that. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I don't. I love. I love to do some basketball stuff again. I love for things to open up again to be able to put on events again. Like the one of the last events I put on uh, was in a place in uh, Saputra, so like this gated community right next to Tejo where I live. And there's like two restaurants or something in this entire gated community. And uh, I got chatting to the owner in there one time. And she's like, oh yeah, we put on a comedy show. Like we, we could try it out. I'm like, oh, cool. She's like, there's never been a comedy show ever in here. And I'm like, oh, awesome, that'd be cool. So we, uh, we advertised, we put on a comedy show and uh, like we sold out, had like 50 people there. That was like the last comedy show that I put on. So it was like, awesome, great success. And then, uh, yeah, haven't been able to put on anything since. So, yeah, I'm hoping to be able to put comedy shows on, coach basketball, uh, and, yeah, like play play Australian football again with the, the Vietnam Swans, which is something I do as well. Oh, sweet. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Is that Aussie rules football? So, yeah, so it's Aussie rules football. So, uh, yeah, like it's, it's pretty cool. Like um, I play a lot of Australian football in Australia. But I'd, I'd stopped playing in like 2014 in Australia. So, and then I know I quite enjoy it, but I think those sorts of um, environments can just sort of be so, I'd hate it, so much like sort of toxic masculinity in there. And uh, like, I do, I do enjoy some like lazy fun stuff, but it just seemed like over the top. It just seemed like such a negative, like, uh, I feel like such a negative thing at times that I didn't really enjoy it. And like, if that's what it was like here in Hanoi, like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have played football, but I went down there. And uh, I think one of the best things is that um, there was like a really huge, it's like a mixed thing, right? So there's like lots of women and lots of guys playing. So it just makes for something more of a better environment. And um, yeah, there were some Australians, but majority of people playing are like South African and Irish. So it's, yeah, like you're meeting all these people from all over the world playing football having a great time like one of the um uh what what normally happens is there's like a Australian football uh, AFL Asia and they have like mini tournaments basically they have like uh teams from like Singapore Thailand Cambodia China and they, and they go, go, go to a city and they have a big tournament and play each other right but uh, obviously that's not something we can do in COVID times so uh one, one of my highlights of this year was in uh April went down to Wung Tao and normally uh, basically uh, it's called Anzac Day in, a, in Australian uh, in Australian in Australian sort of culture so basically on Anzac Day it's like a sort of a remembrance day uh, thing for uh, Australian soldiers so for guys who like served mm. and uh, obviously uh, Australia fought during the Vietnam War and uh, in Wung Tao that was actually where the Australian base of operations were in Vietnam. And so they had an Australian football league running in Vung Tau in Vietnam between like 67 and 72. Oh, wow. So, which is, which is awesome, right? It's pretty yeah. cool. And we played a game and normally uh, Vietnam would host the game, host a team from another country. Uh, but we just played our own game. Uh, it's basically north, north versus south, and guys mixed around. But yeah, we play a game on Australia Day. Sorry, on uh, on Anzac Day, uh, we sent they sang the Australian national anthem, the Vietnamese national anthem. Uh, we had there's a lot of ex Australian soldiers who've uh, uh, retired 
and uh and and, and immigrated to, to vietnam who live around the area so they come out and uh yeah like great day playing football down there um having drinks having a big dinner and yeah like um yeah there was like a an ex-serviceman who like played the last post you know the, like the trumpet thing before before the match like yeah it was awesome awesome like one of one of like my highlights of being in vietnam for sure and yeah that was like an, an awesome day and i think I flew back up to back up to hanoi a couple of days later and then we've been in lockdown ever since <laughs> oh, damn man well yeah that sounds cool but yeah paul thanks very much for chatting today mate i really appreciate it and all the very best with your future projects my pleasure connor thank you very much